following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. Hello, everyone. Kent Maddox here at Word Alive International Outreach. I'm so glad you've tuned in to spend a few moments with us. I'm here in our connection facility. So you may hear some noises in the background, folks walking around. This is a place we gather. I just want to take some time today and talk to you about the prophetic place that we're in as a nation and as the world. And I really believe the Holy Spirit's given me a word for us. Don't let your love grow cold. Don't let your love grow cold. This is found in Matthew 24. It speaks to exact timing I believe we're in right now in the world. It says, verse 7, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. The translation of that, birth pangs. You know, if you think about it, those of us who've lived on the earth long enough, you know, 20 years ago, you would hear about one incident maybe every two or three months or maybe three, four times a year, a certain big event would happen, a travesty, an earthquake, a shooting, a, some kind of major event. And then it started getting closer and closer together every month and then every week. And now almost every day, something significant's happening. So what does that tell us? These birth pangs are getting closer and closer together. The whole earth, it says, is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the true sons and daughters of God, you and I. And I really believe that God is raising up sons and daughters in the kingdom of God to answer the problems of the world with the kingdom of God as the solution, and it's the power of love. Here's what it says very powerfully. It says, many will be offended. They'll betray each other, even hate one another. False prophets will rise and deceive many. And because lawlessness, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness is abounding. You can't watch the news, read the newspaper, listen to any kind of social media without realizing there's hatred, there's visceral speech, one nation against another, one nationality against another nationality, denomination against denomination, nation against nation. And we see the key to this is don't let our love grow cold. The Bible says it very clearly. We can sum the whole of the prophets up. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean to not let your love grow cold? I want to take us to Ephesians here just for a moment. Paul the Apostle prayed a powerful prayer over the church of Ephesus. And it's been a real foundational scripture for me. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. Here's what Paul said. He said, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled 
with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask and think according to the power that works within us. I believe that power Paul's talking about working in us is the power of love. He says we need to get a revelation is what he's saying. You need to comprehend. We need to realize by revelation, this isn't natural love. You don't get it in knowledge. It has to come into the heart. What is the height? the depth, the length, and the width of the love of God. I began to look into that recently. What is the height of the love of God? Well, it says, Psalm 103, as high as heaven is above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. Do you know how high it is to the heavens? Hundreds of millions, they say, of light years just to get to places in space. That's how high God's love, that's the that's the height of God's love. It's unfathomable. You can't, you can't research it. You can't figure it all out. How deep is it? It says, if I make my bed in hell, Psalm 139, it says, even there he will lead me and guide me. How wide is it? It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Do you know how far it is from east to west? They never meet. So when God forgives us of our sins, they never are brought up again. They're as far as the east is from the west. I love uh, the old preacher, Corey Ten Boone, the woman preacher from Holland that wrote the book, The Hiding Place. She said, when God forgives our sins, He throws them, in, throws them into the depth of the ocean and puts a sign up that says, no fishing. <laughs> he just forgives and forgets our sin. What is the length of it? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Romans 8 says it so powerfully. It says, Neither height, nor depth, nor principality, nor power, nor rulers of darkness, nor things in the past, nor things to come, nor demons, nor angel, nor sin. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We've got to get a fresh revelation of God's love for us. I'm convinced most of us just struggle knowing and believing that we're unconditionally loved beyond our behavior, beyond our attitudes, that we are loved unconditionally. And it has to come by supernatural revelation. I had the pleasure of spending some time with Dr. Oral Roberts. My wife Beverly and I did a few years before he passed away. He was on up, on up in age when we got to spend some time with he and his wife Evelyn. And I'll never forget, we were sitting around their kitchen table and uh, Dr. Roberts began to tell us the story. He said, Ken, I had been praying for the sick preaching the gospel and seeing literally millions of people saved and healed by the time I was 70 years old. And he said, I was right out here by where I live now. And I was on the golf course. And he said, I'll never forget, I was on the eighth tee, I believe he said. And all of a sudden, he said, I'm standing there and it just hit me that God loved me. He said, it just came all over me. He said, I started crying so hard. He said, I tried to tee the ball up and hit it. And he said, the tears were running down my face. I couldn't even see the ball. I just picked up my stuff, got in the cart and came home. And he said, and I walked in and told Evelyn, Evelyn, God loves me. And she's like, well, Oral, of course God loves you. You've been preaching about God's love for 50 years. He said, no, I know. I know God loves me. And he said it was just a revelation that day of the overwhelming supernatural power of God's love that loved that man unconditionally. And I am praying the prayer of Paul the Apostle over us that you and I may have a new revelation, a fresh revelation of God's love for us, how high it is, how deep it is, how wide it is, the length of it, because I'm, I'm persuaded once we're of, we are assured of the love of God, it will transform us to where we're able to love others the way God loves and wants to love through us. 
My family and I have experienced this personally. It's a supernatural love. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, I'll flip over there into my, flip, flip there in the scriptures. Uh, it says a very powerful uh, portion of God's Word. It says the love of God, verse 5, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's given to us. It's not a natural love. It's not a, it's not a, a mental love. It's a heart love. In the word wealth here in my Bible, it's, it uses the word agape love. This is interesting. It's a word to which Christianity gave new meaning. Outside the New Testament, it rarely occurs in existing Greek manuscripts of this period. The notes say, agape denotes an undefeatable benevolence and unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person no matter what that person does. It is the self-giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return and does not consider the worth of its object. Agape is more a love by choice than philos, which is love by chance. And it refers to the will rather than the emotion. Agape describes the unconditional love God has for the world. This is the love of God that, that the scriptures warns us, don't let this grow cold. Keep growing in it. Keep experiencing it. Keep having new revelations of the love of God in our own lives so that we can be those agents with that power working in us through others. I saw this happen in my own life with my wife, Beverly, on the property where we're sitting right now. Gosh, almost 40 years ago now, my wife Beverly and I were living in a house here with my family and we were, I was getting off drugs and getting my life back together and I'd had a real encounter with the love of God myself and just knew that Jesus loved me and began to walk in that revelation and Bev hadn't quite had that experience yet and so I began to pray for her and of course she was concerned for me, you know, that Lord, Lord have mercy, what's he into now? You know, he was into drugs and now he's into this religion, but I just began to pray for Bev. I said, Lord, just, just touch her. Let her have this experience. I'll never forget it. On the road, Coldwater Road, right out in front of the property I'm sitting on today, uh, my wife Beverly was driving her car. She was really frustrated with me and just frustrated with circumstances. And she tells the story. She said, I just pulled off the side of the road just to set a moment. And I found about this much of a joint in the ashtray. So I reached down to get it and smoke it. And when I did, I heard the audible voice of God say, what are you doing digging around in this trash? It's time you came unto me, my child. And her testimony was that wave after wave after wave of the love of God filled her heart and filled her soul in the front seat of her car. By the time she saw me, just moments later, she was in tears saying, Kit, we've got to go to church. I have met the Lord. The Lord has come into my life. And she was overwhelmed by the love of God. Now, what's so powerful to me about that? is to see the transformational change that took place in my wife's life because it wasn't a couple of years later that I saw this love manifested, the love she had received, now she was able to give. My wife's dad had been a, uh, a criminal basically and uh, was spending a life sentence in prison. And Beverly had a very difficult time because the way he treated her, her family, her siblings, her mom, uh, just a very destructive, abusive lifestyle that at this point she hadn't seen him in 16 years and basically had grown to hate him just because of his be behavior, which was reasonable. 
but because she had experienced the love of God, something happened in her. Something began to motivate her to go and to see her dad and release him and forgive him. And it's a long story, and I won't tell you all the details today, but I can tell you this, it was quite a journey. We finally made it to this prison and my wife hadn't seen her dad in 16 years, and he walked out of that prison, or walked out of his cell to meet us in the meeting room, and for three hours he didn't speak one word to her, one, only talked to me and talked to our son Caleb who was with us. And uh, she just sat there and he, he, he wasn't even responsive to her whatsoever. And at the very end of the conversation, he looked at her and said, if it hadn't been for my grandson, I wouldn't even have come out here to see you. She didn't miss a beat. She looked at him and she said, Dad, it doesn't matter to me what your response is to me. Jesus has forgiven me and Jesus has loved me. And I simply want to tell you, I forgive you and I love you. And I ask you to forgive me for hating you. And in that moment, the love of God not only had transformed Bev, now it was oozing through her toward a man who in the natural she should hate and despise, but the agape love, the choice, the will to say, no, Jesus has forgiven me, now I forgive you. I can't tell you what a transformational impact that had not in Bev's life, but in her father's life. He was serving a life sentence. And lo and behold, about three years later, we got a call from the uh, penal system and they literally released him from prison to a home plan and he lived with Bev and I for the last three years of his life. She was able to love him, care for him, and just before he died, he too accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And my wife's entire family was impacted because she had experienced the love of God and now was able to love others the same way. You know, we speak of our faith, but truly it's faith works through love. Galatians 5, 6 literally says, faith worketh by love. And I think one reason we don't see maybe more unusual miracles, more manifestations of the power of God is because we've not really understood the love of God. Pastor Benny Hinn used to teach me all the time how the power of God works. He said it's 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. If you go reread those, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the power of God. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about the love of God. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about the order of God. He said the Holy Spirit's power works through love in order. And I think when we begin to allow God to baptize us afresh in the love of God, we're going to begin to experience supernatural things like we've never experienced before because we'll be motivated by love. Matthew 14, 14, Jesus it says of Jesus, He was moved with compassion and healed the sick. I was ministering in uh, the Ukraine years ago, and this experience literally changed my life and taught me about the love of God. Uh, my son Caleb was with me, and Caleb's a fine young man, and uh, he's been finding his way with the Lord, you know, like we all do. And in uh, the, the Ukraine's pretty, they were pretty religious at that time, probably still are. But anyway, we were there to preach and minister. And, and so I normally spend time praying every day to get ready for the meetings. We're having these large meetings in an arena at night. And I was really praying, asking God for faith, you know, asking God for anointing and power. And Caleb, he was just kind of hanging out on the balcony, you know, and uh, smoking a cigarette every now and then and just kind of chilling. And so, uh, you know, and I'm in there praying, seeking God. And so that night we get to the meeting and I preach. And in my opinion, I preach one of the most uh, uh, accurate messages on the cross, the power of the cross, what, what Jesus did for us on the cross. I thought I communicated it clearly. The interpreter did a great job. I felt like we had ministered the message. And when I started praying for people, it was dry as a bone. 
Not one person was getting healed. Not one person was getting touched. And I thought, this is strange. I looked over and Caleb is sobbing. And there were many, many sick people in that venue that night, people with tuberculosis and cancer and just terrible diseases. And uh, Caleb was so overwhelmed by the love of God. He said, Dad, he, I walked to Altura. I said, son, what's happening? He said, Dad, I am so sad for these people. They are so sick. And I so want God to heal them. And I said, well, son, then you come and pray. And as soon as he started praying, I'm talking about the power of God just began to flow and people got healed and people got set free. And I watched, and as I watched, the Holy Spirit said, see, Kent, you thought your prayers and, and your quest for power and your quest for anointing was what would heal people. But actually, it's the love of God. It's the motivation of love that actually releases God's power to heal people. And I had a great revelation that night about it's, a, it's the heart issue, isn't it? It's not the outside things. It's the inside. God, People look at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And I really believe that God is wanting to baptize us afresh and the love of God to release His power. I had a personal experience with it. Paul Keith Davis, a dear friend of mine, uh, you know, he's not quite as gregarious as I am and over the top. He's just more of a straight-laced guy, you know, and, and to the letter and, and down the lines, but he's a wonderful friend of mine. Uh, but just, you know, not like me all over the place. He's just more like this. And I'll never forget, I'd had some kind of, I don't know whether it was a demonic attack or a physical illness, but I know I had just this intense chest pain. It's like I couldn't breathe around it for several days. I was like under this oppression. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in the service with Paul Keith, and it wasn't some big thing of prayer or whatever, but he just felt led by the Holy Spirit to walk over to me. And I'll never forget it. He just put his hand on my chest and just said, God, you know I love this man. And when he said that, something snapped and broke off my chest. And I felt like it was a demonic entity that had been, you know, set down on me to try to destroy my life. But just the act of kindness, that one just touch of love. See, we don't realize, we think it has to be something big or demonstrative, but it's just a kind word. It's a, it's a hug. It's, a, it's just a smile. It's just any type of release of the love of God just literally transforms atmospheres. You know, there's a man named Dr. Hawkins who's written a book and he basically realized you can measure vibrations in the atmosphere. They can be measured. And it's a very powerful uh, understanding when you real, real, realize that they can actually, vibrations can be measured. And in his journey of 30 years of study of science, he came to the conclusion that 80% of people in the world live on a very low vibration of negativity, hate, anger, fear, disappointment, jealousy. 80% of the world lives on that level of vibration. But he also concluded that one act of kindness, one act of love, somebody with just a little bit of enlightenment that, that releases any type of kindness or love, realize that one person releasing that vibration nullifies the negative vibration of 75,000 other individuals. Can you imagine that? One person releasing any act of kindness or love into the atmosphere, it's like the butterfly where the wings fly and, it, and then there's storms miles away, that kind of cause and effect. One person moved by love on any small level nullifies the act of 70, the, the negative energy of 75,000 other individuals. and goes on at different levels of enlightenment, different energies. And it made me, it reminded me of the, the cross, the greatest 
act of love that the world, the universe has ever known is when the Son of God came and died on the cross. It says, he, for God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever would believe on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. When Jesus hung on that cross, it says the earth shook when He died. I believe a vibration of love was released that day that 2,000 years later is still vibrating through the atmosphere. And when we tap into it, we are totally transformed by the power of God's love. I believe God's looking for a church full of love. You know, I've, I've been a part of World Alive International Outreach now for over 20 years, like, like many of you. I've, I've been in lots of other churches as I've traveled apostolically, and I know churches that that are known for great miracles. I know churches that are known for great music. Uh, I know churches that are known for great preaching, great ministry. But I'm thinking today, where's the church that I want to run into that's not known just for preaching or singing or, or that type of stuff? Where's that church that the Bible says will be so attractive because the world will know that they're from God and how they love one another? Where's the church that is so attractive to the world because we are so in love with God and so loving one another with that agape love, with that choice just to love people unconditionally. I believe this is, this is what Jesus is saying to us. This is what the world, this is what a hurting world needs today more than anything. This is what the United States of America needs. This is what the world needs. The world needs the church of Jesus Christ, in my opinion, you and I, to be baptized afresh in the love of God. I prayed this morning, Lord, baptize me afresh in your love. Give me a love for people. Give me a love for creation. Give me, give me a love for what you love. And I just feel like there's a real hunger. There's a real something inside of us that's crying out for this type of love, the, the, the most purest form of love, being willing to lay down our lives one for another. I think it's John 15, uh, uh, 3. I'm kind of off script now, but I think it's John 15 and 33 that says, no greater love does a man have than to lay down his life for another. That's the love Jesus demonstrated for us. And then ask us to live that life. And I question my own self. You know, how often am I, am I laying down my life for someone else? How often am I taking the back seat so somebody else can take a front seat? How often am I preferring my brothers and sisters, asking God to bless them way before or beyond blessing me? And I really believe this is the, the true power of God that's going to be released in this church right now that the earth is groaning, looking for the sons and daughters of God to begin to walk in the manifested power of the love of God. I read a book years ago, and it came back to me today as I was getting prepared to talk to you for a few moments. It's called The Gospel According to YouTube. Uh, U2, of course, is the band from Ireland that has been so famous over the years and wrote a lot of powerful prophetic songs, also secular songs, but also some controversial songs. And um, Bono, the lead singer there, uh, tells the story, and it's a very powerful book, Gospel According to U2, and he basically tells a story about the love of God. And I think there was three, if I get the story right, there was three members in the band, Bono, one other, and then the bass player. I wrote his name down, Adam Clayton. And he tells a story, he said, you know, uh, Bono and his other friend were 
believers. And so they had Bible studies on, as they toured. They prayed a lot. But Adam was kind of out there. He was kind of the guy that was, you know, doing the drugs, drinking a lot, and just not really in the spiritual flow that Bono and the other band member was. And so they had written uh, a song that became very controversial. It was a spiritual political song. Um, I think it was the name of it was um, Bloody Sunday. Uh, uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday was the name of it. And it was very controversial and actually brought death threats to Bono. And so they're about to go to this massive venue like with 100,000 people to play and he received a death threat, Bono did, and literally a note that said, if you sing that song in this concert, we'll shoot you and kill you. And so Bono tells the story that he really wrestled with it, but he couldn't get past the conviction that it was really the Lord that had told him to write the song and sing the song. So he said that night they took, st took the stage and he said, I just honestly was, was frightened, but I knew it was something I was supposed to do. And so he said that, that, you know, we sang a couple of songs and got ready for this song. And he said, when I started to sing it, me and my other spiritual partner were beside each other and the bass player who, you know, supposedly wasn't a believer was on the far side. And he said, so I was kind of frightened. So I simply closed my eyes and I just sang the first verse with my eyes closed thinking, you know, this may be the time that something dreadful happens to me. He said, nothing happened. So he said, I sang the chorus. And so then I started singing the second verse and I thought, well, maybe I should open my eyes and look. He said, and when I did, the bass player, Adam, was standing in front of Bono. And so he, here's the bass player that's supposedly the least spiritual person who said, if they're going to shoot you, they'll shoot me first, and stood in front of Bono while he played that song. And he said, that showed me more about the love of Christ than all the Bible studies and all the prayer that me and my friend had done. Even though we thought, we judged this man as not spiritual, something was inside of him. He had been touched by the love of God to some point that caused him to be willing to lay his life down for others. What a lesson for us as the church. I think it's time for us to quit bickering and quit fighting, quit speaking evil of one another, especially in the political realm and many other things that are spiraling around us, and receive a fresh baptism of the love of God in this season so that God can release His power through us in the earth. I'd like to close today before we pray with 1 Corinthians 13. It's the famous love scripture. I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit being here with you today. And I thank you for spending this time with me. I think it's very important. Here's what it says, 1 Corinthians 13, when we begin to look at the love of God. Here's what Paul the Apostle admonishes us. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I'm afraid that's a, that's a lot of our lives at times. We're, we're saying spiritual things. We're talking about God. We're talking about the scriptures. But when it's not done with love, when it's not motivated by love, it's just it, it, the noise. It's noisy. It's a clanging cymbal. It's not a sweet sound. It's a clanging, uh, aggravating noise. It says, although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I could move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I would give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. 
Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This is where God is bringing us to. If, if you if you're and our marriages are built on the true agape love of God, not just the philos love of God, but the, the, the agape love of God by choice, our marriages will never fail. If our businesses are built on love, we love what we do, we love the people we're involved with, we're doing it out of service to them because of a love and a passion, then, then our businesses will not fail. If we're doing our career because we love what we do and we love the people around us, then our careers will not fail. If we love our churches and love our church community family and it's built on love, I believe if the foundation is love, we can build as high as we want to. This is the season to let God baptize us in love. Ask God to fill us afresh by the Holy Spirit. It's only by revelation. And I'm gonna tell you how I've get how the revelation has come to me more than any other way. It's when I'm so bad and yet he still is so good. <laughs> it's like when I deserve the least, it's like he blesses me the best. And when you have that revelation, when you say, but by the grace of God, I could be in any situation that I see anybody around me. It causes me to have a compassion for them, not a judgment toward them because I realize there's so many times God should have quit loving me. God should have judged me. God should have quit blessing me, but he just keeps pursuing me by his great love, loving me unconditionally. And as he does, it melts my iniquities away and feeds the purpose and destiny of my life. And I think that's the type of agents we are to be in the earth. The love that God gave me, Jesus said, I have given you. Now, as I went, now you go. And I believe in this season, God is sending us with his precious love to a hurting humanity. And God is going to do miracles in our lives as we embrace this. So I just want to take a minute and pray if that's okay. And just ask God to baptize us afresh. If you're watching wherever you're at, if you just would like a fresh touch of God, a fresh revelation of the love of God, we just lift our hearts and our hands today. And we just say, Holy Spirit, we need a fresh touch of the love of God today. We need a fresh revelation of God's love for us. Lord, as Paul the Apostle prayed, I pray now for myself and others watching. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a revelation. Help us comprehend what is the height, the depth, the width, and the length of the love of God. Let us comprehend with each other, saints, how great your love is for us. Fill us afresh, baptize us afresh with the love of God. Baptize us afresh with compassion for folks that are suffering and hurting and begin to use us as agents of your kingdom grace and kingdom mercy through the power of your love. And so I just release that energy. I feel it today. I feel the love of God today. And I just say, Lord, wherever people right now are hungry for love or suffering without it, let love move now. Let love come right through this camera today and touch people right where they are, Lord. Let the love of God I feel now begin to move away fear and doubt and unbelief and anxiety and, and anger and disappointment and jealousy and all these terrible things that the enemy has tried to put on us. Now let love break the yoke and remove the burden now and fill us and baptize us afresh. Lord, we ask for it. 
We thank you for it and we praise you for it even now in Jesus' name. Amen. I tell you what, I feel the love of God here today with us. I'm so thankful that he loves us so, so, so very much. God is love, according to 1 John 4, and he is here with us. And so we just thank him and praise him for his extravagance in our life today in the name of Jesus. I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to share with you a few moments today on the power of love. Don't let our love grow cold. Let's keep the fire stoked. Let's encourage one another in it. Let's move in it as the Holy Spirit's empowering us to do so. Obviously, a part of our generosity is, is motivated by love as well. I'd like, to, before we close today, to do our giving declaration with you because I know out of our love for God and love for each other, many of us will be giving today of our tithes and offerings and first fruits. And so we can put that on the screen. Let's say it out loud together as part of our worship today. One, two, three. We are giving out of love and thankfulness for all the Lord has done. By our giving, we have taken a step into an abundant place of His supply. Therefore, we declare and decree the promise of double portion provision is released over this place, people, and region. To God be the glory and praise forevermore. Amen and amen. We bless you today as your love and generosity is being shown to the Lord's work as you're giving here at Word Alive today. We pray and bless you as you live out the love of God this week. We're looking forward to when we get to connect again online or on campus. But until then, let the love of God fill you and overflow you with His goodness. Now unto Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think, be glory forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Be blessed. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.